fourth section of Parshas Bamidbar begins at Ravi, which is Perik Gimel, and extends till Shishi, which is uh, through Pasuk Lamed Tess. Now, the Psukim here change from discussing the count of the other tribes and focuses in on the people that were excluded, which were the Levian. So now we're going to focus in on the descendants of Moshe and Aharon and the count that affected them as they were not included in the count of the rest of the Shvatim. So the Torah tells us who the children of Moshe and Aharon were, and it lists Nadav and Aviyu despite the fact that they had passed away, as they were also descendants of Aharon HaKohen. It moves on then to discuss how, at this point, Hashem tells Moshe to bring the Levim in front of Aaron as a symbolic measure that they were now going to help Aharon in Mishmeres HaKodesh, which meant the service in the Beis HaMikdash representing the uh, Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, as well as the mission of keeping the Jewish people away from the holy places that they were not meant to be. Now the Psukim break down Shevet Levi into three parts. You have Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Or, <clears throat> as the Psukim lists them, Gershon is the first one listed, and it, talks to, it tells us where Gershon traveled in relation to the Mishkan, which in this, where the Psukim list is that he encamped to the west of the Mishkan. It tells us what his number was of the section of Levi from his Levi's child, Gershon. It also tells us who was the leader of the Gershon people, which was El Yosef ben Lael, and it explains what the people from Shevet Gersh, from sorry, from the group of Gershon, were responsible to take care of and, and travel. And it tells us what those things were. Uh, it lists them in the Pesukim. It moves on then to Kehas and tells us again the number, the total number, the leader of that section of Shevet Levi, where they encamped, which was in the south and the parts of the Mishkan that they were responsible to move when traveling. Interrupting, before we get to Merari, the Psukim tell us that Elazar, the son of Aaron HaKoyen, was the leader of all of Shevet Levi. Actually, he was the uh, leader of the leaders of Shevet Levi, which were the leaders of Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Moves on, the Psukim move on to Merari. Merari tells us how many people, again, were in, Shev, in, in the section of Merari, <coughs> where they, who their leader was, which was Zuriel ben Avichayel, Zuriel ben Avichayel, and that they encamped in the north of the Mishkan, as well as what they carried when they traveled in the desert. Now, to the east, which we haven't mentioned yet, was Moshe Aaron and his children uh, on the east side of the Mishkan, where they traveled and where they uh, encamped as well. Okay. Now, one, a couple things to note over here is that this count that we just listed that was done for Shevet Levi was unique in the sense that they counted from a month and up as opposed to the rest of the Jewish people were counted from 20 years and up. A month and up is just because that's when they're not considered a Nathal anymore. There's no suspicion they're going to pass away um, as, as babies. They're already considered fully healthy and living, and therefore they were counted like that. In addition... The Psukim tell us that there were 22,000 in Shevet Levi. Rashi says actually this excludes Aharon himself. But either way, Rashi points out there was actually 22,300 if you count the numbers up. And the reason it says 22,000 is because 300 of them were actually Bechorim themselves. So as we're about to learn, which we'll get to tomorrow, Bezrus Hashem, we'll learn about the fact that they had to create some sort of a redemption process as the Levim took over the rights of the Bechorim to be the ones who represented the Jewish people in service of Hashem. 
the 300 who were Bechorim themselves are not listed in the Pesukim here because they wouldn't have to undergo the same process theoretically because they just had to redeem themselves by dedicating themselves as they were Bechorim themselves. So therefore, the rest of the Levim who would have to interact with the other Bechorim, the actual firstborns, and to redeem the Bechorim from their to relinquish them of duty, these would only have to relinquish themselves of duty, so they're not listed amongst the count. There's only 22,000 listed. We'll speak more about the redemption of the Bechorim and the assume, assuming of a priestlyhood by the Levim tomorrow. Um, there's really a couple of points that I want to mention here, but we'll just focus in on one, which is that if you look at the beginning of the Perik, which is the beginning of Ravi, the Psukim call, it says these are the descendants of Aharon and Moshe, and it only mentions the children of Aharon. So Rashi understands the fact that it mentions the children of Aharon means that they're also attributed to being Moshe's children. Why are they attributed to being Moshe's children? Because he taught them Torah. And Rashi says from this, anyone that teaches the son of his friend Torah, it's as if the Rebbe gave birth to them, which the Gemara elucidates elsewhere that the Pshad is, is that there's also a concept of honoring your Rebbe like your father, because although your father brings you to this world, he's your biological uh, key into this world, in a spiritual sense, the Rebbe brings you into the next world. And in a certain way, that's even greater. So there is such a position of fatherhood that is given to a Rebbe who teaches Ben Chavero, the son of his friend, even though he's not his biological son, the Heligatayra. Everybody have a wonderful day. Stopping at Shishi, we'll pick up tomorrow by Israel Shem with part five of Bamidbar.